Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. I like to remind folks that even though we have David Cutcliffe of Duke as one of the only weekly guests in the history of our program, just for the record there in Vaught, make sure people understand. Dabo Sweeney of Clemson dropped by this week. Mac Brown also dropped by recently. Eli Drinkwitz of App and Mike Houston of ECU and Will Healy of Charlotte dropped by representing their FBS-level programs. Dave Clausen of Wake was just with us. Dave Doran of NC State joins us tomorrow. We do love Coach Cut, but we like others as well. David Cutcliffe's taking his Blue Devils with a winning record to Virginia Tech this weekend. They get the national TV spotlight on Friday night. Coach Cut, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? Thank you, David. Sounds like you've been taking some grief, brother. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll step up for you any day of the week, well, man. Well, I appreciate that, but I think people also have to understand just the friendship and respect we have all fulfilled with just other things in our lives. Yeah. Um, whether it's Catholic charities or whatever is a good, good, good community service, I think you and I are. Very common in that group. And then the other thing is family. Yeah. Uh, so people just can understand. And I celebrate all these great coaches we have in this state and the fans. I think it's pretty special. I, I you know, People forget I drive all over this state recruiting and I have a lot of people come up to me that are fans of all of the schools yeah. that you mentioned. And uh, I think it's pretty wonderful that we have such a unique college football state, college basketball, college sports. But I'm a football coach, so a unique college football environment. I've come to believe in our crazy industry that 90% of people are reasonable, and there's just always going to be the 10% that harass you or me for this or that or whatever. I'm from Philly originally, so I have really thick skin, so I just keep moving. But I agree with everything Coach Cut said about the nature of our amazing, fun, uh, professional relationship. All right, we're going to talk about your Blue Devils trip to Blacksburg, but let's start here. <laughs> you are this quarterback's guru. You did mentor Peyton and Eli Manning. It is such a weird set of dynamics here, Coach. Daniel Jones has his first successful start at the NFL level for the New York Giants, your former Duke star. And Eli Manning, of course, the veteran, your former Ole Miss star, is taking a back seat. What did you see from Daniel? or maybe hear from him in the aftermath? And how do you describe how that even-keeled Eli Manning guy is handling this uh, chapter of his career? Yeah, it's, it's complex. You know, when I first heard it, I actually heard it from uh, Archie, and um, which I was appreciative of. I had a big old hole in my stomach. Mm. Um, Eli Manning's been the Giants quarterback for a long time, and we have an extreme closeness um, you also know that I was immediately nervous and happy for, for Daniel. So I'm, I went around half a day about as emotional as I've, I've been, you know, <laughs> thank goodness it was an open date because I wasn't worth a darn, you know what I mean? So, but, um, yeah, I, I will tell you first, just to answer your questions, what has impressed me uh, or what did impress me about Daniel watching the fourth quarter Sunday. And it's the same thing and watching preseason, it's, I knew he could throw it. His command of their offense, he looked so far from being a rookie and, and getting out of the huddle, getting set, people where they're supposed to be, any verbiage that he has to say, he looks like he's been doing it for 10 years. And it doesn't necessarily surprise me, but when you watch a quarterback or you watch a game, that's immediately what I look at to see if a guy's really prepared well. 
um, which which he had. And um very, very proud of that. When I spoke with him um, Tuesday, excuse me, Monday night, uh, we spoke on the phone and we just talked about, about the game and all of that. But what, what we ended up talking about was, you know, how, how do you handle this? And I told him the one thing for me in handling 44 years of coaching was that um, I try to live in the moment. And I think it's the highest form of sanity is to live in the present. If mm. we let ourselves worry about the next game or the next practice, uh, if we worry about what we did behind us, uh, it, it will it literally will drive you crazy yeah. and you won't last. And I said, so to last, if you live in the present and you're focused on what you're doing, you're not going to hear noise, neither good or bad. So let's just stay who, true to who you are, because that is. And then I asked him, I said, what are you doing tomorrow? I knew it was their off day. And he said, well, I'm, I'm going to go in you know, pretty early, and I'm going to get a good lift, and I'm going to do some cardio, and then I'm meeting Eli at 9 to watch film of wow. the next apartment. Cool. And, and I almost cried because yeah. – Daniel was doing what I expected him to do on an off day. But the fact that Eli, and I know Eli's one play away from, from being their guy again, and he, he'll treat it that way. He's going to work. But the fact that he's willing to go in there with him and work, and I think the world saw Eli's response after the game with Daniel. And um, I, I couldn't be prouder to know a man more than I am Eli Manning. And um, all day Tuesday, it just kept kind of staying with me, picturing those two in there together from nine to three working. How great is that, you know? Super so cool. It Super. is. And um, you know, when, when, when the dust settles on an athlete, I don't care whether you're a high school athlete or a junior high athlete, when your career ends, the best thing anybody could say about you wouldn't have anything to do with the statistic. It would be that he was the best teammate I ever played with. And I think Eli, although he's got all these great stats, is proving to people that he he is a phenomenal teammate. And that's the way we want to be remembered, in my opinion, in athletics. David Cutcliffe is joining us on the David Glenn Show. He was the National Coach of the Year in college football six years ago, of course, with the Duke Blue Devils. He's been the ACC Coach of the Year. He's been the SEC Coach of the Year. His Devils visit Virginia Tech Friday night in the national TV game on ESPN. You shared a story earlier this week that I believe is a perfect transition from us talking about your interesting New York Giants ties to, of course, your full-time job leading the Duke Blue Devils. And I don't want to get any of the details wrong here, but you described quite the ruckus with your Duke football team as you guys apparently tuned in to Daniel Jones' success oh. story, right? I'm, yeah. Like, elaborate on that because for I remember several possessions in a row there, Coach, where it was either a punt or a turnover for Daniel, and yet he kept the composure. And when I, – I, I don't know when you guys got to the TV screen, but what a happy ending. How would you describe the picture with so many of his former teammates cheering him along? Well, it was pretty interesting. We came off the field. See, remember, we're playing Friday night. You just mentioned that. So Sunday was our Tuesday practice. Okay. So we practiced 
it was and and I knew they were a little irritated. We were practicing during the kickoff of the Giants game. <laughs> so but we had a great practice. They focused, went in and showered. So we normally go straight to watching practice tape, but we weren't gonna have any of that. So every television in the yo, every screen, we even got it on the big screen um and streamed it. So everybody here was watching that game. And at the the touchdown run at the end, it shook this building. Hmm. Uh, but when the guy missed the field goal, you could have heard this celebration all over this campus. And I, I, I you know, and then I get pictures start rolling in from from people that are there of that group. Not long after the game ended, of our guys all group of non-scholarship players that came in with Daniel. And I'm like, wow, they're all down there. Art went down there. You know, there was what, what a group of, of Duke representation. So I did get emotional. Uh, you know, it was hard to get back watching tape and we did, we got back to work, but man, what an event. I heard that you said that you had a feeling. I mean, Coach, you, you're like my Obi-Wan Kenobi of the football world. If you told me, I really have a feeling that this guy's going to miss this kick, or vice versa, I really have a feeling in my football gut that this guy's going to make this kick, whatever. Y- you said in that emotional, that hyper-emotional state, you just knew that that kick was going to go that way well, and that Daniel was going to get that win. That's crazy. I did. I told everybody midway through the fourth quarter about – maybe 10 minutes ago, I said, we're going to win 32 to 31. And they looked at me kind of funny. I said, I'm just telling you, we're going to win 32-31, which we did. And then when they when Evans caught the long pass, and it was obvious they were going to kick a field goal, and I said, it's inevitable. I mean, I'm just telling you guys he's going to miss the kick. And uh, <clears throat> so, hey, Florida is a good place to go wide right. Right, the state. <laughs> That's a fact. Just, just ask Bobby Bowden, right? <laughs> you know? So um, I, I just, yeah, it it was a fairy tale. I did remind him that they're not going to all be fairy tale endings. Um, That's only in Hansel and Gretel, right? So we're uh, we're back to reality, and that's the beautiful part of it. He's prepared for that. Speaking of reality, Duke is playing its first conference game. The Hokies are 0-1 in conference play, but you both take a winning record into Friday night's matchup, 2-1 Devils at 2-1 Hokies. I have a goofy question and then a serious question. As a visiting coach, do you have a full appreciation for what has become a famous, iconic, enter Sandman crazy entry at, at Lane Stadium? And then more seriously, you know, how do you outline the nature of this challenge against the Hokies in Blacksburg? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's awesome. I used to tell uh, when, when Frank was there, I used to tell him, man, this is amazing. You know, I said, you, you must sit down and at some point in time think about what y'all built here. Uh, and I said, from the entrance to looking up uh, to the rock, you know, and yeah. the stadium, it's just gorgeous. It's college football and hats off to the fans and to all of those coaches and players through the years. And then certainly uh, Justin Fuente and, and his people. Uh, 
So I do like I like college football. I like that atmosphere. I mean, who who cannot like it? Amen. You know, but um, then then it gets real. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, Virginia Tech is gonna. They're hard to beat in recruiting for us. Um, and it's been that way since we've been here. I think it was new to them that they had a battle with us. But uh, I have such respect for their talent. Um, Bud Foster, this is the 12th year in a row playing against his defenses. And, geez, you know, and he's legendary for a reason. And then um, Justin Fuente, I tried to recruit him when he was in high school. Hmm. I've known him a long time. We played played his Memphis team when he was at Memphis. He's a heck of a football coach. So uh, between their crowd, um, they have a great – I love his offensive system. I think he does a great job of balance. And then, of course, Bud Foster, everybody's had a hard time with Bud through the years. So it's a huge challenge. Um, and then you you intensify the fact that it's, you know, a Friday night, you got a short week. You're you're leaving on a different day. You're 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 missing different classes in school. If your players, people don't think about that. Yeah. We miss all day Friday. We never miss all of our classes. We're a late leaving team, even when we fly out. So yeah, you got to kind of balance, you know, handling your team well enough to play well. And then with that said, you got to go handle the adversity that Virginia Tech can inflict as a football team. So I love these challenges. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. Our team is relatively healthy. Our team is in a good emotional state. And here we go, ACC football. It's, it's coming, you know. So jump right in with both feet. I don't want to keep you into your next interview, so be as brief on this as you need to be. Remind us of your bottom line on Friday Night Football because we talk about, you know, making the TV partners happy, et cetera, but some high school coaches and families don't like it. It's not your decision, obviously, but what is your bottom line there? Well, I, 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 I'm going to just use the word despise. I, I truly despise. Uh. I mean, I, I went to a high school football game in North Carolina last week, and – how did I love it? You know, I mean, Friday nights are for high school football, period. And I understand why this is happening in college football, but I don't have to agree to it. I'm not an administrator, so I'm not sitting in those meetings. I'm not a conference commissioner, and I realize money makes the world go round, but I sure wish we would look at some better way to do it. Well put, Coach. Thanks, as always, for the time and the visit and the reflections. Keep up the good work and good luck in Blacksburg. Thanks, David. Take care. You got it. Greg McElroy, more college football in about 15 minutes. You can follow Coach Cut on Twitter, at David Cutcliffe. He has a good football team. It's another one of those examples where we're learning more about everybody, right? I mean, the Hokies are 2-1, and one, but on shaky ground by Virginia Tech standards. Not a good year last year. They had to reschedule a game just to make it into a bowl game and keep that postseason streak alive. That was built up during the Frank Beamer era and had gone well in the immediate couple years after the transition from Frank Beamer to Justin Fuente. Last year, a big step back. This year, a somewhat shaky start. Duke has beaten the teams that you would expect it to beat, right? You don't expect them to fall to Middle Tennessee. You don't expect them to have problems with North Carolina A&T. 
So the two wins were expected wins and the one loss. I mean, who's going to go to Atlanta and beat Alabama? I mean, you don't, you don't give up on a team because they went to Atlanta and lost to the Crimson Tide. So where's Duke? Exactly where we thought Duke would be. Two wins, one loss. How good are they? Well, they don't have a great win yet. How bad are they? Well, they don't have a bad loss. So where do they fall in between? It's that coastal chaos we talked about. To me, UVA was the best bet, and the 4-0 Cavaliers remained that in my eyes. I wouldn't give up on Miami, even though they struggled out of the gate and lost to the Tar Heels. Virginia Tech and Duke are somewhere in the middle of that pack. You know in the Coastal, Georgia Tech is not very good. They lost at home to an FCS team, the Citadel. You know in the Coastal, you should know by now, even if you didn't join us in our preseason predictions for UVA, they're 4-0. They have a very good quarterback in Bryce Perkins. They have NFL-caliber players, multiple, on the defensive side of the ball. That UVA team is for real defensively and opportunistic offensively with that dangerous quarterback. So there you have a seven-team division, right? Let's just assume UVA is not going to go away. Even if they don't win it, they're going to be good. Let's assume Georgia Tech's going to take a little while to build under Jeff Collins, his first year there after the triple option Paul Johnson era. So that takes one off the top that'll keep contending, one off the bottom that really doesn't have much of a chance this year. There's five in between. I mean, good luck sorting out that mess. Miami and Carolina are two of those five. They played down to the wire. The Heels got the win. The Canes took the loss. Similarly, Friday night in Blacksburg, the Hokies and the Devils either could get a win, build momentum, and make a run toward the top of the division, or lose a close game, get a key injury, and stumble toward the bottom of that division. Like, that's how weird the middle is. UVA at the top, Georgia Tech at the bottom, five teams in the middle. When they play head-to-head, a lot is determined because, you know, for some teams, bowl status is on the line. For others, chasing a divisional title is on the line. Devils at Hokies, 2-1 Duke at 2-1 Virginia Tech. Friday night, 7 o'clock, the national TV window on ESPN. Greg McElroy, more college football. We'll get into the national picture, including his alma mater, former national champion quarterback for the Crimson Tide of Alabama. Dabo and Nick Saban, once again, have two of the best teams in America. We'll ask Greg McElroy what others have hit his radar as belonging in that same college football playoff-style conversation. He's also a quarterback's guy, having played the position, so we'll ask him about the best and the worst of the ACC along those lines. Greg McElroy a little bit later, your phone calls on the other side. The NFL question of the day is this. Should Ron Rivera really be top three on the NFL hot seat list, given the details of his one and two start? According to Vegas, Washington coach Jay Gruden is number one on that list. Ron Rivera is third. College football question of the day. We're looking for upset possibilities. Carolina, 26-point underdog to Clemson. I still don't have a single vote for the Tar Heels as the likely upset of the weekend, and I totally understand why. UVA is going to Notre Dame as a 12-point underdog. That's a huge opportunity for the Cavs, but against, I think, a good Irish team that plays some of the best defense that college football has to offer. So I'm not big on the Cavaliers. I think about 20% of you are picking the Cavs to be our upset special of the week. Duke going to Virginia Tech is only a three-point underdog. The Devils are getting a lot of votes. The most votes still, roughly half. NC State is a five-point underdog at Florida State. Dave Doran against Willie Taggart. 
the young first-year starter, Matthew McKay, evolving slowly but surely, but the pack needs more from that position against a Florida State team where their starter, James Blackman, was injured and is kind of day-to-day right now. But their backup, Alex Hornibrook, formerly of the Wisconsin Badgers, frankly looked even better than Blackman when he, he came in relief last week as the Seminoles got back in the win column. 1-800-849-2761. You can chime in on the NFL, college football, those questions or otherwise. The Hurricanes and the NHL, the return of college basketball also on our mind. You can be next with your question or comment. 1-800-849-2761. As NC State continues its case with the NCAA, Remember, Kansas just got its notice. The Wolfpack got its notice of allegations long ago. Good reporting by Joe Giglio and the folks at the News and Observer dug out of NC State records. Dennis Smith Jr. was interviewed by school officials a few months, a handful of months ago. What did he say about the allegation that he or his family took money from an Adidas middleman with or without the help of head coach Mark Gottfried, former assistant coach Orlando Early, or anyone else close to the Smith family. That story with more of your calls. Greg McElroy later, your chance to jump in now. 1-800-849-2761 on The David Glenn Show. Kurt Busch is joining us, 38-year-old champion of the Daytona 500. I went out with Gronk last night after uh, after we won the race. Did you and really? Also, it was fun. Got about an hour's sleep. I asked him, I go, hey, when do you have to report to training camp? He goes, July. I said, well, we can't be friends because i got to <laughs> go back to racing. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Greg McElroy of ESPN. The SEC Network, ESPN Radio, national champion quarterback at Alabama nine years ago. He'll drop by to talk about the national picture on his way to Chapel Hill as number one Clemson visits Mac Brown and the North Carolina Tar Heels. Thanks to David Cutcliffe of Duke for dropping by. UNC senior safety and NFL prospect Miles Dorn. Tillman Fertitta. Today's a day you definitely want to check the podcast as we post them later. The Houston Rockets billionaire owner dropped by earlier in today's program. And like Coach Cut and Miles Dorn, dropped some life sports, basketball, and football on us. 1-800-849-2761. One quick thing I promise, and then we'll get to Greg McElroy. Thanks to some good reporting by Joe Giglio and the News and Observer. Remember, this stuff doesn't become public in many cases unless a journalist demands it through various open records laws. The way it works for the most part, generally speaking, private universities get to keep a lot of things private. Public universities have to share stuff mostly that they even don't want to share. Well, you know that the NCAA folks are after Kansas in the move announced this week, but NC State in an announcement even earlier. And as it turns out, the News and Observer has a follow-up to NC State's ongoing NCAA case. And their reporting showed that, as expected, former Wolfpack point guard Dennis Smith Jr. was asked, did you or your family take the money that the FBI cases suggested that you did? If you're NC State, you got to do your due diligence. Now, it's not the same, by the way, as being in the witness chair in, say, an FBI case where they can throw you in prison if they can prove that you perjure yourself by lying, right? That's different. You are 
dealing with your alma mater in his case, dealing with the NCAA, but it is not a similar structure for if you're caught in a lie. Now, we live in a world, I will remind you, and this is just from my legal background, would you believe that studies have shown that for every 25 people who get a death sentence, this is not sports, this is not NC State, I'm just using this to illustrate the imperfection of a system that in the criminal justice system you'd think would be with the utmost care, truly life or death, not metaphysically or theoretically life or death, but actually life or death. For every 25 people who get a death sentence in our country, one is actually not guilty. I mean, it'd be one thing if you got busted for jaywalking and you didn't do it, or two cars were speeding and the trooper thought it was yours and you got a ticket for speeding that you didn't deserve. That's not fun. That actually happened to me one time. But, you know, life sentences carry a little more weight. So if they can get one out of 25 wrong in that context, how many are they getting wrong in the NCAA context? Well, I don't know the answer to that numerically, the way they studied that in the criminal justice system. There is always a chance that Dennis Smith Jr. and his family did not take anything. He says they didn't. The middlemen don't have to answer to NC State in many cases, but there is significant evidence, dare we say, overwhelming evidence that the family took stuff. But Dennis Smith Jr. on the record in response to questions from NC State compliance people, he did deny that he or his dad or his family took even a dollar. So as the Kansas case plays out with Bill Self in jeopardy and the Jayhawks charged with lack of institutional control, that is just one more rock for the rock pile to consider. Dennis Smith Jr., as I think we all expected, denying that they took either the $40,000 payment specified by T.J. Gasnola, one of those Adidas middlemen who was in the middle of the FBI criminal investigation. The FBI evidence, I think, is going to carry a lot more weight than Dennis Smith Jr.'s denials because there's a trainer involved, there's an assistant coach involved. According to some of the evidence, Mark Gottfried himself was involved. Mark Gottfried is going to dodge the biggest bullets because the FBI case is not handing over all of the evidence against him. But Orlando Early really looks bad, according to the evidence. And the Smith family, how did it get there? How much was it? Who took what? Who was the bag man? Was it the trainer who received it? Was it dad who received it? I wouldn't expect Dennis Smith Jr., frankly, in all the recruiting scandals that I've covered over the years, rarely does the guy actually get the money sometimes it's an uncle a mentor a coach an aau guy i mean rarely would the young man see the money and in some cases those around him are violating ncaa rules in ways that they're not even fully aware of so for whatever it's worth to you perhaps not much dennis smith jr didn't make that denial and the news and observer dug it out in a, an article I saw earlier today. 1-800-849-2761. Greg McElroy of ESPN. He's headed to Chapel Hill for the Clemson-UNC game. We're going to talk with the former Alabama quarterback about quarterbacks near NFR and about the national picture that once again has the Crimson Tide and the Clemson Tigers leading the way. 
but has others worthy of your consideration as you start to foresee that four-team college football playoff later this year. More of your calls later. Greg McElroy of ESPN next on The David Glenn Show. Rob Schneider joining us on The David Glenn Show. When they try to have three days of the NFL draft on TV, my friends said, hey, you going to watch the NFL draft? I was like getting excited about a strip club that's still under construction. <laughs> like you see that building over there in a couple of months? There's going to be some breasts in there. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Our next guest was the starting quarterback for the national champion Alabama Crimson Tide back in 2010. Nowadays, after a time in the NFL playing QB, he does great work for ESPN and the SEC Network, also ESPN Radio on college football matters mostly. Greg McElroy, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? What's up, DG? Thanks for having me, buddy. It's great to have you. We look forward to you and your crew coming to Chapel Hill as you have the call for ABC as the Tigers 4-0 and and number one once again visit the North Carolina Tar Heels of your former colleague Mac Brown. Before we get to that, given your quarterback expertise, as you look at the national picture and former Alabama guy Jalen Hurts is doing his thing at Oklahoma now and current Alabama guy Tua Tungavaloa is doing his thing and even Joe Burrow has been shot out of a cannon at LSU. Maybe you have others you'd add to that list. Not necessarily a Heisman question, but just a big picture question about who is passing the Greg McElroy QB test the most, and how good are their supporting casts so that one or more of those teams will end up in that Final Four? Well, I mean, it's it's amazing to watch the quarterback play just nationally, and and frankly, to watch just how much these quarterbacks have been empowered. I mean, systems have been simplified. And you just see so many guys operating with great efficiency. I remember back in the day, I remember my senior year, I I think I completed like 70%. And at that point, that was a pretty high number. You know, that was kind of an unheard of number. Now guys are completing 80%. (laughs) It's It's insane now to just watch how incredibly consistent these guys are and just how comfortable they are all in. In, in these systems. So I, I would say as far as guys that are really standing out, I mean, Jalen and Tua, you can put them kind of both in the same mold, Justin Fields in the same mold yeah. as well, all of which have played against subpar competition. And it's hard to get a real good evaluation of them at this point. But like you said, you can't control who you play. So all you can do is, is control your own efficiency and those guys have all done so with remarkable consistency. So I think Tua right now is playing on a level that we never even really saw from him at times last year. Um, Numbers-wise and everything, they're comparable. But he's getting the ball to his hands so quickly. He's so accurate and decisive at this point. He's allowing those great playmakers to run. So he's just been exceptionally good. And, and Jalen as well. But we're going to find out a little bit more with Jalen, I think, here in the weeks to come. I think UCLA's awful. Houston's 1-3. and three. And I'm not going to learn anything about how he played against an FCS opponent. So at least to uh, uh, when comparing apples to apples, at least he's played against legitimate competition in South Carolina. So I would say that that my evaluation, if I'm putting a pecking order together, two would be one right now, and and everyone else would be in a close second. Meanwhile, a quarterback that we talked about the entire off season because he led Clemson to that 
unprecedented 15-0 season and a national championship. Trevor Lawrence has more pedestrian numbers, relatively speaking, as you have the Clemson-Carolina game on Saturday. Is it just one of those things because the Tigers' defense is so good and his skill players around him are so good that uh, they haven't needed him to put up bigger numbers in their 4-0 start? Or have you seen something that hasn't gone quite right for Trevor Lawrence, now the sophomore for Clemson? Yeah, he just doesn't look right now. Uh, I don't want to call him bored. You know what I mean? Because I feel like that's a little unfair. But I haven't seen from him the level of urgency that we saw at the end of the season last year. I mean, he was just so spectacular in the national championship game that our expectation levels were probably a little unfair, if we're going to be completely honest. But he hasn't really trusted his progressions as much. Uh, I feel like he's just kind of thrown it up a couple times to allow his playmakers to just make plays on the football. They've done so I mean, a few different occasions. And for instance, the Syracuse game is a good example. Like, you watch the Syracuse game, you look at the numbers after the fact, oh, well, 395, dang, that's pretty salty, you know? Yeah. But 75 of those on a throw that's five yards behind the line of scrimmage to Rodgers, and he goes down the right sideline for a touchdown. Uh, another one is a throw on a little bit of a back shoulder, not a super accurate throw to T. Higgins. He makes a few guys miss, and he goes for 50 as he cross fields and has a great run at the catch. So I would say that, that he hasn't necessarily been clicking on all cylinders, but he doesn't really have to be at this point. And they might have a few things that they're saving and keeping in the arsenal for when the competition gets a little stiffer. One thing about the Clemson story that you'll probably uh, have among your talking points over the weekend is this defense. It's really, really hard, according to most college coaches, to just plug in the next generation on the defensive line. They, they say, you know, offensive line and defensive line, you usually need a little more time for guys to get physically mature, whereas a running back or sometimes nowadays even a quarterback, you can plug in a little bit more quickly. You know the deal. Clemson lost all four starters to the NFL from last year's national title team, and yet through four games, they're not only 4-0, their defensive numbers are again among the best in the country. How have they pulled off that difficult transition without missing a beat? Well, they've changed their structure. And I actually, full disclosure, I'd rather play against the Clemson defense last year uh, than play against the Clemson defense. That's a big statement, yeah. And just because if you look at them right now, and I don't think about it from a quarterback's perspective, of course, right? That's the only way I know how to look at it. (laughs) And right right now, they they force you to see so many different things because the pressure can come from anywhere. And they have a three-down defensive line where they have three defensive linemen on the field. And they have a bunch of guys that are walk-around fast guys like Isaiah Simmons and Kavon Wallace and, and their two linebackers, 47 and 43. And, you know, they, they have good pieces, but you just can't get a feel for where that pressure's coming and when that pressure's coming. So when it's third down in an obvious passing situation, I know heat's coming. I just don't know where from. And that, to me, is brutal on a quarterback because it can force you to see ghosts. And I think that's exactly what opposing quarterbacks are seeing when they're playing against Clemson, you'll see Kellen Mond is an experienced player and he falls victim to a cornerback cat and he's sacked. Uh, they're running guys around, they're looping defenders. So they're doing delayed blitzes. I mean, this pressure package now is a handful. Last year, I knew what I was getting. 
right? I got these front four guys yep. I got to take care of. Hey, we'll figure it out. But now if I stack the protection to my right, that pressure might come from the left. If I stack the pressure, if I stack it to the edges and put a tight end out there and a running back off the edges, well, that pressure might come right up the middle. Like it's, it's a brutal, brutal scheme to play against. And they have a bunch of guys in coverage uh, and they're very experienced back there, so they do a lot of things that can mess with the quarterback's eyes, using robbers and rolling safeties down inside, and you think the, open, the middle of the field is open. The next thing you know, a guy runs right to the middle of the field, follows your eyes to the football. It's, it's really, really hard as an opposing quarterback to play against that style of disruption, and it's paid a remarkable dividends. No one really has a feel for it yet. I'm not sure they're going to find it. Um, because it's a handful when you think about all the things you have to account for. With what you just described in mind, if I am Mac Brown of the Tar Heels, I am making sure that Sam Howell, his true freshman quarterback, does not listen to today's edition of the David Glenn Show with Greg McElroy <laughs> as one of his star guests because, of course, that is the task. And you know the deal here. Sam Howe was a big-time, big-number-producing high school quarterback. The Tar Heels snatched him away from Florida State after he had been committed to the Seminoles. And flatly, they don't beat either South Carolina or Miami without Sam Howell making some NFL-caliber throws to get that win. Uh, putting aside the incredibly difficult challenge of Clemson, what have you seen from Sam Howell who sees the NFL in his future, but is only four games into his college career. And at least last week, man, he was playing behind five freshmen and sophomores after a couple of veterans got hurt uh, as App State went to Chapel Hill and beat the Tar Heels. Well, I think he's done a pretty good job. And I think he's got some good game. He reminds me a little bit of Baker Mayfield when he was a freshman at Texas Tech, where there's a lot of great moments, but there's also a couple moments where it's like, okay, he's a freshman. You have to remind yourself. You know, it's like, so it's, I actually have been very impressed with him. I think he's made some incredible plays and critical down and distance. He's been lights out in the fourth quarter when they've had to have it. You know, last week, I think, was a good example of him getting a little bit out of rhythm and taking a couple hits and turning the football over. And this is a team right now with the way they're currently constructed. They just can't overcome those turnovers. I actually was pleasantly surprised. I dove really deep into North Carolina over the last couple of days. Okay. I've been pleasantly surprised with how good their personnel is at the skill position and how good they are at running back. They can go three deep there. And I actually was pretty impressed with their defense. I thought they played pretty hard last week. They just, you can't be put on the short field and your defense scores a touchdown off a fumble recovery. And it's just, it's tricky. So, uh, I think North Carolina is trending in the right direction. Sam Howell, too. He's going to have to do, try to stay within himself this week and get the ball out of his hands quickly because those pressures are coming and find some of that space. This offense is designed to find that space. And it's going to be hard for him, full disclosure. But I also think, too, um, the arrow is pointing up for this North Carolina program as a whole. I'm very optimistic about the pieces they already have in place and the direction that they're heading. I know Max can do a great job on the recruiting trail, and, and I happen to think that this sleeping giant really could awoke and could, could become woke quickly uh, if they can secure some of that in-state skill that has gotten away in recent years and, and fortify both lines of scrimmage. So I'm, I'm very, very encouraged by what I've seen already, and I, I happen to think it's going to be a competitive game on Saturday. I really do, and I, I wouldn't necessarily say that. I know I want everyone to watch our game and be fired up, but <laughs> – I think North Carolina is going to play really hard and, and make it as close as they possibly can. Now, will they be able to hang on for four quarters? We'll find out. But 
uh, I think they're going to be up to the task on Saturday. I really am. Greg McElroy, be nice to him if you see him in Chapel Hill. Enjoy him as part of the call. 3.30, the ABC game, Clemson at UNC. ESPN, SEC Network, ESPN Radio, and more. The national championship quarterback from the Alabama Crimson Tide. Thank you, as always, for the visit. Enjoy your visit to Chapel Hill. I appreciate DG. We'll talk to you soon, brother. You got it. Greg McElroy on Twitter, at Greg McElroy. We're back to come down the stretch. Final thoughts and a variety of sports TV picks. That's next on the David Glenn Show. Back round of the University of North Carolina. We got to win now. Let's don't start looking at rebuilding. Let's don't talk about how bad we are. Let's don't talk about we're not better than anybody. Let's figure out how to win. And that's what we've done. And, and the Coastal, because it's been up in the air every year, why shouldn't we have a chance? Keep it dialed in to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. We are coming down the stretch on today's program. And down the stretch they come. A couple quick nuggets from the NFL that we never really got to explore, but worthy of your consideration. A league source told ESPN's Adam Schefter that the Jaguars' star cornerback, Jalen Ramsey, he's the guy that we have on Ferris Bueller watch. I'm just a little skeptical, you know, that he was queasy and feeling ill yesterday. Today, it's a bad back. Like, Ferris's mom and dad trusted him so much in that movie that they, like, felt bad for him that he was missing school. He had the special sound effects making him sound really ill. There was the save Ferris sign on the side of the water tower and otherwise... Spoiler alert, he had a heck of a day, and he wasn't sick, and he didn't go to school. Might Jalen Ramsey, who has demanded a trade out of Jacksonville, be playing the Ferris Bueller card? I don't know. He is unlikely to play Sunday against the Broncos, according to Schefter, because of the ongoing impasse. The Jaguars want him back. He wants to be traded. He's not sure he wants to practice. So that's where that drama stands. Meanwhile, Chargers star running back Melvin Gordon. I am still rooting for him to return because Phillip Rivers and the 1-2 and two Chargers could be pretty darn good with him. They are 1-2 and two without him. Scheduled to make $5 million or so this year. Turned down $10 million from the Chargers. Now that offer is apparently off the table, and Melvin Gordon continues his holdout. According to a report today, he is moving up his expected reporting date, so maybe the Chargers will have either a trade or Melvin Gordon back in the backfield to help Phillip Rivers. TV picks tonight. You get more down the stretch Major League Baseball and also the only Fox Sports Carolina's TV broadcast of your Hurricanes in preseason action. It's Canes at the Predators, 8 o'clock, FSC. Enjoy the games. We'll see you tomorrow, noon to 3, on the David Glenn Show. Mr. President Barack Obama, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to, to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say uh, I love the state of North Carolina, love the people of North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show.